Hey guys, and welcome to Brownsplain. On today's episode, we will be discussing normalising mental health within the Brown community. This is an extremely important discussion that often gets ignored. However, it is also extremely emotional. It is therefore important that we issue a trigger warning. This episode discusses anxiety, depression and suicide. If you believe listening to this will impact your health, please click away. Your health is extremely important to us. If you have ever experienced any of these feelings and need to talk to someone, please call the Samaritans at 116-123. Remember, the world is a better place with you in it. Thank you. Hi guys and welcome to Brown's Blaine with me Mahek and me Afsara. Thank you guys for coming back to our second episode. Um, I think, what what's going on? Like, I think the latest thing we can say is that lockdown has officially been extended again. Even though yeah. we knew it was going to be extended, we kind of had the hope that it wouldn't. Yeah, and every time it happens, like, everyone knew we were going to go into lockdown. And when we did, I was like, oh my gosh, we've gone into lockdown. So it's really weird. But apparently, Afsara, they want to, like allegedly someone's auntie or uncle said who's a doctor who works in the nhs (laughs) and knows this person high up said this that we're apparently going to be in lockdown till like june july i really hope not like i've genuinely been dying for it to get warm and sunny again Mm. and the second it does we're in lockdown and then i've heard things like oh october or december and, like, if I don't get to go out with my friends and have some sort of barbecue somewhere or enjoy the heat somewhere, and then just, by the time we get out, if it's cold, I'm just going to cry. You're throwing shots, bro. I'm just going to cry. Or I'm just going to end up going somewhere where it's warm till it's warm again here, if that yeah. makes sense. I don't know. I've just been waiting for it for too long. No, I know. You're, like, literally just thrive in the heat. But do you know what? It's not even the weather that bugs me as much. It's more like I just miss my friends. Like, I know that once this is over, bro, I'm coming to... I'm driving to your house and I'm giving you the fattest hug. You're going to be the first person I hug after this lockdown, I swear. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're doing this remotely. So (laughs) we're not actually with each other. um, And we're trying our best to, you know, provide the content. Um, Mm -hmm. Social distancing and that. Yeah, exactly. So for sure, Mehek's going to be the first person I'm hugging after this lockdown literally and also guys this is a public service announcement stay at home <laughs> okay um i guess like it'd be nice to ask of sarah what are you up to in lockdown like how are you keeping busy you know how are you keeping active all I of that active i think um at the start i was very positive i still am like i'm trying to keep positive but i think at the start i was very into like my home workouts and just enjoying it and like all of us becoming professional chefs all of that all of that <laughs> nonsense this girl has been snapping me every single different <laughs> dish and like everyone's jumping on the banana bread wave and like not gonna lie though apparently her banana bread banged so it i want some out, after lockdown it came out amazing like i'll definitely remake it but watch how it's not the same i don't know i feel like our taste buds have adjusted so either yeah. we're like forcing ourselves to be like yeah this food is good Because we don't have anything else. I miss takeout so much. I know, like, okay, yeah, like, I've always wanted to make a conscious effort to eat at home. But, like, oh, my God, do I miss... (laughs) I miss a Nando's beanie wrap, you know? And also, all of you are going to be hating on me, like, oh, why don't you get chicken? Nah, the beanie wrap bangs. I was just about to hate on you. (laughs) (laughs) No, guys, it genuinely tastes so good. But, um... Yeah, like, I feel like I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm literally just, like, I cooked a couple times. I'm not going to lie, my food's been coming out really good. Yeah. But I painted. I, like, exhausted every single hobby you can name, apart from, like, sewing in, like, the first week. So <laughs> I'm kind of, like, stuck with things to do. I but mean, I'm you've still got time to learn sewing. Yeah, that's true. I'll probably end up doing it on Knit You a Sweater. So. I, was, I was just going to say, I love massive scarves so of some one. sort, if you want. Or, like, oh, do you know those headbands I wear in the... Yeah. In the winter to keep my ears warm. You can always make me one of those if you really want. I'll make want. you one that looks like a frog. Because it's so cute. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I have this frog headband as well for context. <laughs> I think... So I, um, I was going to say, what has been your favourite thing? About lockdown? Like, that you've done or learnt. I think, like... So, one of the things that was really nice is that I haven't picked up a paintbrush since, like, primary school. So, in my head, I'm like, I can't even draw a circle kind of thing. <laughs> and turns out, like, I'm not that... I wouldn't say I'm Van Gogh, yeah? But I wouldn't say, like, I'm that bad. Which yeah. is really, really fun. No, I mean, your paintings came out really well. 
I mean, like, they're, like, decent. Like, they're decent for what I thought they were going to be. But it's better that they're paintings. Because, like, I was literally this close to, like, buying a needle online and, like, tattooing <laughs> myself. So, like, I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah, you're not doing a stick and poke at all. <laughs> what about you? Um, I think eating has definitely been my favourite thing. Like, <laughs> It's been my hobby. It's been my hobby. It always has been. Um, Definitely eating. And also, like, doing the little things that I always put aside. Um... Oh, like what? I don't know, like doing a spring clean or like letting go of my old clothes that I had too many memories with or like throwing mm. away old shoes. Just little things where like, because I was so busy with work and uni, I was never like, oh, I'll just do this one day and I never got to it. And I just yeah. think, just it sounds boring, but just like little things. And because we're all spending a lot more time in our rooms and homes, it's mm. it's nicer to sort of make it a nice environment to chill in and also be able to do work. So just fixing everything up. Yeah, um, no. I would say has definitely been fun. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think I get that. And it's nice that we're trying to find like a good side of like a really bad situation. But I guess that kind of brings us on to like the fact that it has been really hard, mm-hmm. um, especially mentally. Yeah. And uh, whilst we are in the middle of a pandemic, we're also have been dealing with another one for a very long time. And that is men- mental health. That was um, very poetic. Very nicely said. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Rumi, sh- like, Rumi took um, inspo from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, I think, that was yeah. a lame joke. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say yes and smile and yeah, nod. Okay. <laughs> um, exactly. No, but I think, yeah, that is a good way to sort of introduce the second topic that we are going to talk about today, which is normalising mental health within the brown community. Um, I think it's something that, we've all struggled with at some point but I think it is something that is definitely now heightened being at home Mm. and I think a lot of us might be experiencing it in a different way or because we're you know that being trapped at home it it will naturally increase and feel a lot worse than it is. I think it's also really important to remember that lockdown is going to be really hard for people that are already suffering from things like anxiety and depression because I think the main thing is a lot of people with depression kind of like isolate themselves and Mm. um, you're kind of like forced to think about the situation almost. Um, I remember when like I was going through things like I didn't want to leave the house um, and not leaving the house makes things worse and I think it's probably even worse when like you're being told you have to stay at home for the right reasons like don't get me wrong there obviously but it's kind of like really important to keep like distracted and it it's obviously way more difficult to stay distracted so it's definitely like a good reminder to check up on everyone around you because I think I've been finding it really difficult and I know a lot of other people are finding it difficult so yeah I just want to reiterate that that's normal yeah of course I think a lot of people like from what I've been seeing like even on like Twitter and stuff like a lot of people have just been experiencing like relapses so to say where they're finding they're going back into their old ways because I think when we're so consumed in our everyday lives, it's so easy to forget about, you know, oh my God, I'm anxious about this or, you know, like I'm really low about this topic because you can do so much else to distract you. But yeah. when you're at home, you know, and you become like a bit of a, what's it called? A house mole, whatever it is, couch potato, yeah. whatever. When couch potato. <laughs> yeah, when you're stuck at home, like it's something that, how do I explain it? When everyone's so busy, Everyone does check up on you, but because we're supposed to stay at home, no one's mm. going to see it as an unusual thing. Yeah. And you shutting down is not going to be an unusual thing because we're supposed to be at home. Yeah. So it's like one of them ones where, like, we will, some people just go back into their old habits and it won't be as noticeable as it would if we were in our normal everyday lives. That's very, that's actually very true because, like, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to tell what's going on. Um, and I think I'll be really honest and say, like, a part of me, did relapse so like I think I've had a very like on and off relationship with anxiety and depression I've never like actually been diagnosed with it but just based on symptoms and like speaking to a therapist and stuff and I feel like towards the beginning I noticed myself like falling into old habits um but I'm slowly slowly getting back out of them and making sure that I'm around people and always talking to my friends like of Sarah so shout out to my amazing friends <laughs> but I just want you guys to know that there are other people going through it um and I think it's and I'm sure like it's probably the same with you of Sarah right yeah, no, I think definitely, like, for me, it's been, like, waves of emotions. Like, I think at the beginning of this, like, global pandemic, I was very, like, this isn't real. Like, this isn't happening. I was very in denial at the start. And then, like, when things started to settle, I think I did feel different waves of emotions. Yeah. Um, Some more deeply than others. 
Um, and I would definitely say, like, there's parts of me, like, there's days where, like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to talk to anyone. But equally, I try to resume things as normal as possible. So I try to, like, talk to my friends, like, my hack. And, you know, we're house partying with, like, so many of our friends, like, every night without a doubt. And I think that's been, like, my little things of, like, keeping me going. Out. Like, I'll be like, okay, I'll, you know, because I've got loads of uni assignments left. It'll be like, okay, I'll work all day because I know I'm going to talk to all my friends at the end of the day and there'll yeah. be a good way to round off my day before I go back to sleep Same. and start my day off again. Because, like, we just have to mix it up or, like, at least keep something that keeps us going. Yeah, so I uh, think my friends and just having open communication... Because at the start, I was like, oh, my God, like, I want to shut off. But I realised if I do that, I'm going to feel even worse. Mm. So I just made really sure we were all didn't. talking, yeah. I'm really glad that a lot of us... And no matter how much we really want to, like we are making an effort to stay in contact with our friends. And if I'm being completely honest, that's really helped me. Like I don't think anything is helping me get by more than like the contact that I'm having with my friends. 100%. Um, um, and I think another thing that's really important, which kind of ties in with today's episode, is that it's not necessarily very easy to cope with mental health in the Brown family. Hmm. So I guess like the main sort of issue we want to top, like not topic, <laughs> the main issue we, we want to kind about. of like talk about here is normalizing mental health in the brown community and I think we need to start off by saying like how do you feel like mental health is dealt with in a brown family on a general sense I feel like it's very varied like Mm. there's a lot of people who like from what I've seen like online and from talking to different people like there's a lot of like sharam and shame that comes with it for some reason undoubtedly yeah yeah and that's what Asian families and brown families don't want to be associated with like there's a lot of things where they're like you know what will people think of us or you know they you know hold themselves up to their pride a lot so it comes down to like oh it'll make us look weak and things like that and I think there's a very negative association with mental health um it's seen as quite taboo instead of just being spoken about opening like yeah of course there's a lot more like social media campaigns and loads of advertisements and you know loads loads more movements towards it because it's becoming more well recognized but as much as recognized with within our society like us as the current age group blah 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 it's not within our familial community a hundred percent like it's not something that is widespread and if you think about it like yeah do you know what like the amount of initiatives we've put forward for mental health on like a larger scale as like you know, on like a global scale, it's really important to remember that the majority of people that this is targeted towards is like, like middle class white people. Mm. Um, And it's actually not something that's really crept into like the brown community. So to give you guys some context, like mental health in the brown community, majority of the time, of course, you can't speak for everyone. But on like a larger scale, the brown community almost see mental health as like a figment of people's imaginations. And they say that it's definitely like not a real thing. Um, and that like if you have a mental health problem then you're weak and that stems from a lot of things and I think there's definitely a lack of research and more research needs to be done to kind of really pinpoint why this is the case but Mm -hmm. there's loads of different things that cause this so like for example number one it's like historically been stigmatized in India India only India's healthcare system only contributes one percent to like dealing with mental health issues and most of the time people are thrown into like asylums and even like historically even before that people believed that like if you had a mental health problem then you were like like there was like shaitan who's like the devil yeah I was literally like, just demon. about to say that yeah. like you were possessed of some sort um yeah. and also like touching back on what you said in terms of you know like who it's targeted towards mm-hmm. you know think saying things like just talk to your family is not as easy for us like you know we don't believe it's a exactly like we don't have the same we can't apply that same advice like you know just sit down you know talk to your family I'm sure they'd understand like it's not like there's a lot of things that are taboo and it's not as easy as us just sitting down explaining your feelings and then your family to be like okay cool we understand like what let's you know help you out what can we do sort of thing it's not that easy as what is advertised a hundred percent and like the attitude that a lot of people have from their parents specifically that they'll deal with like mental health and stuff if they go to their parents and they're like oh mom I feel like shit their mom will just be like oh yeah like just go pray um you know what like it's fine like you're just you're super weak or like you know you know just go go get some rest 
Go get some it. rest. Like, I know you're fine. Eat or... healthy. <laughs> Eat healthy. <laughs> it's really, like, okay, like, it's funny, but it's not, it's actually not funny in the grand scheme of things because, like, there is, like, very little recognition of it. And one of the biggest things is which basically translates to what will people say. Mm. There's this huge complex in the brown community of not coming across vulnerable. And someone having mental, like, a mental health problem in their family comes across as vulnerable. And so, like, it's just, it's just something that is definitely thrown under a carpet. Yeah, for sure. Like, just from what I've, like, read about and things like that, like, seeing, like, even when we try to do research, there's not much on the Asian community. There wasn't at all. Like, first of all... Trying to research for this, honestly, was It was difficult. difficult. And we've had to take it off what our personal experiences, what we've heard from other people, or, like, what we've seen on Twitter, things like that. But I think one thing that, you know, stood out for me the most was the fact that someone said that family can either be the most caring or the most isolating when it comes to mental health and where someone said they you know they were told not to say something or openly discuss it to the point where they kept their secret from their spouse for more than 20 years because they were just so scared of what their spouse would think or if it would bring down the reputation or mm. things like you know what I mean like it would be shown as such a weakness and I don't agree with that at all yeah. like just because you feel anxious about something or if you're depressed about something or if you have panic it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you it just means you feel something on a much more emotional level compared to other people and not everyone have, has gone through the same things that make you evoke those emotions in yourself yeah. and I think there's this also like I've touched on this before is that they kind of like to shove it under a carpet and pretend like it doesn't exist Mm. and the truth is is that it does exist it doesn't matter whether you don't want to believe it exists it does and it's one of the leading causes of death globally Um, there's loads of stats so the World Health Organization reports that one in five of the world's children and adolescents have a mental health disorder. They also say that depression is one of the leading causes of disability and about 30% of people will be incapacitated by a mental health disorder it's crazy to think that there's so much of this going on and we just reject it as a community it's just Mm. really bizarre to me and like you can see little like men like you can see like little symptoms of mental health in our parents and stuff and they're just like no no nothing's wrong everything's fine or they won't they won't regard it as a mental health issue it will be like I don't know, a lot of our parents have had different upbringings or, you know, whether our parents have been born in London or not, in the UK, whatever. Like, Mm. for example, my parents weren't born here. They migrated here, like, way before I was born. But growing up, they've had a way different experience compared to us growing up. So they've had different hardships, you know? like Mental health probably seems like a privilege for them because they've, like, being able to deal with it, not having it as privilege, just to clarify, but being able to deal with it because, like, as you said, like, they've had so many different hardships, like, they've come to this country, they've, like, worked themselves up, they've been, they've faced racism and stuff, they're just, like, like, we've, yeah, like, yeah, they've, like, hardened to it, like, there's people who have, you know, you know, immigrated, there's people who have gone through wars, like, a lot of people have done loads of different things to get to where they are today, Mm. and for them, they just continued life as normal, but I don't think, it was regarded or they they saw it as in something that impacted their like behaviors or mm. their mindsets i don't think that sort of came about for them i would say um 100%. yeah because i had like a couple of friends so i have a lot of iraqi friends and like some of them will deal with mental health problems and one of the my friends told me that she plucked up the courage to speak to her mum and say mum i'm not feeling well like my my like my head and my heart hurts like I don't feel like my mental health is in the right space and her mom responds with we went through a war so the obviously the Iraq war we went through a war like what do you have to be upset about and mm. you understand like in a really bizarre way you understand why her mom's saying what she's saying but it doesn't mean it's right and it's so like for me my heart broke for her in that situation because you've literally just like plucked up the courage to speak to your parents and they've sort of dismissed it yeah but that just comes from the know. fact when you know like you negatively associate talking about it as well because of one experience mm. like whether it comes to expressing your emotions or saying when what when something is wrong you know you'll negatively associate and be like this is why I don't talk about it or this is why I won't talk about it again to one person and you'll negatively associate with everyone because you'll be like my parents had this reaction 
So, mm-hmm. yeah, my friends will, this person will, this person will. And you're not going to build up the courage unless, you know, there's someone that understands you and is going to be like, you know what, like that was just one event. Not everyone's going to react like that. And yeah. a lot more people might be more understanding and sympathetic of it. Yeah, 100%. And I think like some of this, like, like some of the stories I hear are really sad because like this lack of like your parents willing to listen to you. I've got so many friends that go therapy on the sly. Like they go therapy without their parents knowing. Um, they pay for it and they can't they can't afford it because the NHS wait like wait lists are so long. Like people mm. just it's not sustainable. It's like, a, by yeah, the time, it's a long time. Yeah, and by the time you actually get called to come in for therapy, like that that's literally like life threateningly long. That's how bad it is. No, and yeah, so, for sure. And they're not mm. necessarily. I'm not saying they're not. They might not have the right responses. Like some, even like doctors can be very like, not, yeah, very cold. Like, I think there was a point where when it came to like, I think it was like around exams, uni, final year, whatever. I obviously had a lot of anxiety. I couldn't sleep. I was stressed. um, And I just had really bad insomnia, like Mm. at one point. So I went doctors and, you know, just to see like, if there's anything I could do, blah, blah, blah. And like, Instead of, like, asking about normal things, they were like, oh, straight to, have you thought about killing yourself? And I was literally like, that Chill. should not be yeah. my first response. And then, you know, them digging or whatever. It it's was insensitive. It was insensitive and it was very cold. Like, they were just like, oh, you know, maybe you just need to, like, stretch more before you sleep. You need mm. to balance this and that. And I'm like, this is not the response I came for. My GP told me, have you tried lavender? I was like, you think lavender's going to get rid of my problem? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? what the hell um, yeah i really don't like the smell of lavender yeah <laughs> first of all just throwing that in i there. just don't like the smell of it my older sister yeah. loves it and she puts it everywhere and she probably feels so zen with it i i can't stand the smell of it. i don't know do you know what like strong smells just give me a headache so i just <laughs> i just don't deal with it anyways <laughs> off topic <laughs> so i guess like yeah I, it's not really that open to them but i think it's really interesting to kind of talk about like what things within the brown community you think cause mental health because I think like a lot of people feel like obviously you've got like the lack of education towards it but also like things like little things within the community culturally so like high expectations like Mm. guilt loads of these different things like you know people being constantly compared to people in your family that's the worst Uh, I think that's what every Asian kid had growing up like whether mm. it was your Asian friend that you had next to you whether it was your cousin who's the same age who's like distant cousins you know someone will pull up the thing and be like well your cousin did this and they're your age or this person is doing this like why can't you you know like and our it, lives are different it is very different everyone has different capabilities you know mm. just because your friend's son got this doesn't mean I have to sort of thing and, and that- also think about mindset like when you think about like m- the millennial generation the millennial generation doesn't really care for the traditional like lifespan like the sort of like cookie cutter life that our like family were used to which was something that was quite associated with boomers and stuff mm. um and also like that was their like timeline of success but for us the timeline of success changes so we don't necessarily want to follow the same plans as our parents do but then you feel this sort of like as Asians we have a lot of like respect for our parents but oh, sometimes 100%. that respect can get very toxic and you're sort of like not caring about how you feel and just kind of feeling guilty because your parents have come here they've gone through the struggle mm. and so like you have to do things their way and that's really like yeah. I've, I've heard for a lot of people that's really damaging yeah like you end up feeling guilty because you're like mm. you end up you know sabotaging or whatever affecting their happiness and you yeah. know we obviously as we want our parents to be proud of us yeah. but necessarily that might not be with something that makes them happy or something they see happy. as makes us happy sorry um and that might not be conventional for them mm-hmm. you know what we do blah 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 um and equally like I've heard stories um where someone you know they come out with their mental health issues and their parents like are like get rid of them or we're gonna disown you because mm. if people in the mosque find out that you're feeling this way, you know whatever like we can't deal with the negative backlash. Get out the house yeah. or or stop talking about it. I guess like one thing that I just can't understand is like why do, like 
why do they care so much about what people think? Like, I get one of the most beautiful things about our, like, our culture is that we're so community orientated. Like, we love being around people. We're some of the most helpful people. Some like so hospitable. Mm. But then that comes with that negative idea of like people feel like they can invest in our lives and they have a right to kind of how we're feeling and what goes and goes on in our lives and i've seen so many people's parents just care about what other people think oh don't marry the person you love because like who can like what if someone sees you marry outside of our race yeah. oh don't like do this degree because it's hardly ever respectable so don't do that and all these things add up and you're just like oh my god like i'm not living my life anymore i'm living my life for someone else and that causes so many debilitating mental health problems yeah i think i don't think we will fully understand the extent to why they care about so much about what people think because mm. like I think we're that generation are, that are so far from caring about what people think I think yeah. like pa- me personally anyone that knows me knows I do not care what anyone thinks about me unless you know as long as I'm happy and the people around me like I'm not causing you know negative effects for the people around me do you know what I mean like I would never do something because I'm like oh this is what people are gonna think so I'm gonna do it because it's gonna make everyone else happy like I'm a very like we're opposite to what they think we're opposite to what our parents expect and one or what they want people to think of us and I think for them it's more of a generational thing Mm. you know how they grew up and how their parents implemented the way they would do things or dictate how they would do things because of what people would think and Mm. I think this is the remains of it like in our generation for sure 100 percent. and it's not to say that like I feel like obviously it sounds very much like there's a lot of doom and gloom but the truth is like we all do come from a lot of happy homes like our parents are amazing and we can really recognize that they've done so so much for us 100 percent. yeah but it's just that we need to talk more like even forget like anxiety and depression that's caused by our culture and our cultural expectations like anxiety that's pretty much caused by anything it's like all you really want is your parents to just give you a big hug and say it's going to be okay like yeah and then you're just like met with this whole like what are you doing oh my god like uh just you know tiko jaiga which means like it will be be fine it'll be fine just pray the thing with the praying thing is really annoying as well like and i've heard like I've heard like people our age kind of like mirror that argument that parents make. And it's like, oh, no, 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 just namasko, lo, namasko, lo. Oh, you, you have it because you haven't prayed. Actually, mm. I have I have it because of loads of other factors and it's super um, overwhelming for me. And there's that like one of the most important kind of sayings from the prophet, which is trust in God, but tie your camel. Like I'm trusting in God. I am like, even if I'm not praying, whatever it is, right? I'm coming to you for help. I'm trying to tie my camel. I need someone to speak to. Mm. And like sometimes your parents are a safety net and it's yeah. just hard that that's that safety net is the person that's pushing you away yeah. from talking. I don't think it's, it's you know, like necessarily always parents, but just like yeah. the community consensus as a general as well. Mm. Because they obviously have this attitude for a reason and that's just who they are. And, you know, they're not used to dealing with it. It wasn't a, it wasn't considered a big deal for them. But just because they don't but that's the thing, just because it's not something that's considered a big deal for them and they may have reasons for it doesn't mean it's right. No, of course, and that's the issue. That's literally the issue. They don't understand it from our perspective because, like you said earlier, the hardships they've gone through is nothing compared to we're going through, but mm. it doesn't mean it's not as impacting, like negatively impacting our lives. Yeah. You know, Why? like, I wouldn't say, like, for example, with me, like, I have a very, like, everything's good everything's cushy you know but there Mm. are moments where personally like things outside of home will impact me and that will impact my behavior at home like it's not necessarily I'm acting the way I am because everything's bad here like I have a lot of external issues not issues but whatever happens outside of the home that will impact me and it will cause me to bring these issues home or be like this like for example like at one point in the last like few years I used to be really anxious about working I don't know what it was like you know at times it was the environment I was working in like wherever I was working I really didn't like the environment I didn't like the culture there or necessarily the people I worked with and that made me really anxious like and that impacted everything it had a knock knock on effect on everything you know and that didn't start at home it just started because I negatively associated going to work and then I would... But do you feel like you got support at home? 
I don't know, like, to an extent, because they'd just be like, oh, you know, just get another job, leave the job, whatever. Um, And necessarily, I think it can, that anxiety can follow you around, whether you change your job or not, Mm -hmm. because it's just a negative association you have. So then you just be like, and then I remember, you know, I started a new full-time job and then I used to get really anxious when I did suck. So I was like, oh my God, am I going to like it? Am I going to do this? Or, you know, I need to make sure I get enough rest. Or like you, I think you saw this as well. Like, I would stress about getting enough rest. Yeah. Like I'd get really paranoid and that would just have a knock-on effect. And that wasn't just because of the that job I had at the moment. It was just because of every job that led up to it. So then I kept having, like, bringing baggage or bringing the anxiety from the previous job into the new one because I couldn't let it go or things like that. I guess, like, with my experience with mental health, particularly, like, being in a brown family, I think, like, for me, my family have, like... My my scenario is quite different in that, like, my family have shut me off from the brown community based on the fact that I have someone in my family, like, that deals with mental health and it's my dad. Um, And obviously, like, that's really, like hard because obviously for him because he came to this country when I was about 16 so again like those associations that his wider community had were really negative with mental health and then he was just worried of like com- he had like severe anxiety so he was just worried of worried that he'd come across crazy to his community mm-hmm. so I have had parents that like open up a stream of having conversations with me about mental health but weirdly enough like for me despite the fact that my parents were open about talking about mental health, I wasn't because I was like, I don't want to put stress on them. And like, what if someone else finds out? And it was really, really silly thoughts. So like, I literally like internalized so much of my depression that I just think I literally lost it at some point. Um, and I only really resolved it by going to therapy. Mm. And it was just really hard. So it was really interesting that I, despite coming from a brown community and having accepting parents, I just felt like on a wider scale, I couldn't say anything. Yeah. Um, and which I, is really bizarre. Yeah, but I think what this touches on what you said earlier in terms of also normalising getting help and getting therapy. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I know, like, equally, like you, I know you've had a very positive experience from it. Um, yeah, but equally, okay. there are a lot of people who either have to hide it or they see it as even more of a weakness where they're like, mm. because they end up bringing stuff from their community into their mindset they're going to be like no I don't need to go to therapy for this like am I like it makes me even more weak or oh I'm not that messed up that I need therapy therapy doesn't mean you're messed up it just it can just mean expressing some like your feelings or something you're going through to a person who's not necessarily in your family who's not necessarily Mm. your friends or your partner but just to a third party but also in terms of therapy is also that person understanding you and from like a bird's eye view that sometimes you just need an outsider to just hear you out and be like you know what have you seen it from this point of view or whatever yeah I think there's like two points to touch on based on what you said right number one like I've had quite a positive experience with therapy so I went for about a year when I literally had hit my breaking point so for me one of my biggest causes of anxiety was um kind of like So I basically in my second year of A-levels just sort of like went into a really bad deep depression and it like caused me to not kind of like achieve my true capability and I kind of carried that like failure mentality throughout university and I felt like I needed to prove myself to the point that it got so bad that I just wasn't leaving my house. Um, So I thought, you know what, like I need to reach out to a therapist and I can single-handedly say like that was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, it was expensive. Like it was really hard to find a therapist that had like concession prices available. I didn't have the money, but I found it. I had to to find the money from somewhere. Yeah, I think having been with you and see you go through it like before the therapy and after the therapy, like it really, I can see it had such a positive impact on you. Like anyone around you who knew what you were going through who had seen you before and seen your mentality change after it was just Mm. nice because I could tell like all that not that it necessarily left you but you just feel like you could process it and you could see more of a positive outcome and you were able to just deal with it on a much more Mm. less I wouldn't say self-destructing but in a less in a way that wasn't impacting you as negatively and causing you to shut down um and that was really just really nice to see just because we know who you are you're that you're just so chirpy and you don't (laughs) need to be stuck at home because you don't you're internalizing everything so seeing you come out of your shell you just like blossom like your cherry (laughs) blossom tree that you love 
Thanks. Yeah. I guess like, yeah, like I agree. I don't think like, it's like therapy is one of those things that you go into and you completely change. You just come out a better person, like better version of yourself and you learn a lot more about yourself and how to deal with things. Yeah. And I think that comes down to like the problem, which is a lot of people do want to go to therapy, but there's that negative stigma from parents yeah. and from our community that doesn't <clears throat> let them go there or even think about going there. And also, I've also got a lot of situations where I'll be talking to someone and it's like very evident that like their situation is maybe a bit similar to mine. I'm like, oh, you know, like, why don't you go to therapy? Maybe therapy would be a really good idea for you. And suddenly they're just like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Like, they're super, and super the, and educated the, Yeah, people. and then they'll literally just stop the conversation yeah. and like shut it down. I have seen that too. Um, mm. I can say I can big up my personal therapist, Mahek, who <laughs> always knows what to say. And I'm not like, qualified, guys. Okay. <laughs> Don't think, sue me. But I think for sure, like, Mahek's that one. But even, like, me and my sister, like, there'll be an issue. And me and my sisters will, like, go to Mahek because she always knows what to say. Um, but I think I just, like, unlocked a memory in my brain. I don't think I've told you this before. But okay. I think, like, when I was in school, like, primary school, like, primary school, I was really angry. And I remember, mm. like... Um, and I was, I, you know, I was bullied a lot in primary school. And from yeah. that, my anger stemmed. I'm so sorry to hear. It's okay. I'm fine I don't now. think you've ever told me that. <laughs> I think I think I told you an extent, but not the yeah. full extent. But, like, that's what made me really angry as a child. And being in primary school, like, seeing red was not the one. Like, but from that, like, I can say my my school and even my secondary school, they did support me because they gave me like they were like you know why don't you talk to this person you know she'll be here to help you know talk you through it like anger management that's a way of therapy like Mm -hmm. I had that in primary school and it was just like I don't even remember it like I think I've just blocked it out but I remember having some sort of anger management and then when I was in secondary school um there was just this lady like um that would come around to the year group when there's an assembly or whatever and she would just, you know, be like, if there's anything going on, if there's anything you can help me with, just come chat. And I think once I got into trouble for something really bad and as a f- form of, like, I say, punishment, they were like, why don't you go talk to this lady? She works here. She's in our centre. Like, in, like, the... We had, like, a help centre. I don't know what it was called. But they were like, you need to have at least one, like, talking session with her. And I was like, what? Like, I'm not doing anything bad. I don't need help. And even I was like, no, I don't need therapy. Like, my life is fine. Like, I had one, like, who doesn't rebel at school or doesn't do something bad, like, once in their life? Yeah. Um, And I remember just going and talking to her. And it didn't mean necessarily that something was wrong. But I spoke to her probably, like, from that day. It was, like, year nine. I think I spoke to her, like, every two weeks till end of year 11 from year nine because... I just saw it as someone she was just so nice to talk to and she was just so calm and so like understanding and she literally knew about everyone in my life and and do you feel like it really because like it it seems like it's had a super positive effect like effect on you and sometimes it is as simple as just talking to people yeah I think it was just nice to have a perspective from someone who isn't your friends or family like I said before and it was very refreshing and she sort of helped me like be like you know what like she's like oh maybe why don't you look at it from this point of view and it it was just like little problems or whatever I had as a teenager like going through school or worrying about my GCSEs and what to pick and this and that and I think it was just like little worries as a teen that she did help like calm down and just hear me out and it was very it was really nice and I think I was I'm really glad I unlocked that memory you know I kind of really forgot about it until now but it, her first guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even the head. But it was for me, it was a very positive experience. Yeah. And I think like I wish more and more people knew that, especially in our communities, because like like it's just it's there's no taboo around it. And I personally think like our communities need to normalise going to therapy. I mean, of mm-hmm. course, tackling mental health in one thing that like that's one thing altogether, but the way that we do that in our community is by promoting things like going to therapy. There should be a mosque therapist, there should be a hotline where people feel like they can go and talk to people. And I think mm-hmm. one thing that kind of puts off brown people going to therapy is that number one, they don't feel like there are enough brown or like ethnic BME therapists that can actually empathize and understand their situations because you have to understand one thing, which is really important, right? Like, okay, yeah, men- mental health is universal, but there are different things that cause mental health. And yeah, there are a lot of similar things like, you know, things like um, social anxiety and like, you know, 
all of these things but some things are like specifically associated with communities and like how communities can cause mental health mm-hmm. um and I think like there's that worry that if I, I had that worry like I said like when, when I went to go to my my therapist my therapist wasn't a person of color and my biggest fear was and I addressed it to her, and I was like do you know what? I just feel like I don't know how much you're going to understand my life and she did like it was really lovely mm. but I can understand that some people might not feel comfortable with that and they would want to see more people that look like them yeah so and in a in a place that they feel comfortable going to like you know like a middle class um therapist's office is going to feel a bit out of touch but like if there's some sort of system available at like a mosque or a community center or a gurdwara or a temple like it's so like i feel like i'm honestly it like confuses me how we don't have that right now um and i think it's really important to get into contact with these people and make like receiving help for mental health so more widespread Mm -hmm. because the the brown community need to recognize that the more we don't deal with it the truth is as i mentioned before it doesn't mean like just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist and what it's doing is it's killing it's it's harming people and even killing them in silence right yeah so we are really damaging the the capability and like the, the sort of like potential our community has by not addressing our feelings and what confuses me right is that when you look at like old sufi literature and like you look at rumi it's like they talk about emotions with such passion. They talk about their sadness. They talk about self-love so much, right? This is things that our parents grew up reading, listening to. It's part of our heritage. Mm. And over time, like, we've just begun to, like, completely ignore it. Um, and we used to have things like therapy back in the day. So there would be, like, these old traditions where, like, in Sufism, where people that were feeling anxious and depressed would be sat down and like music would be played for them to sort of alleviate their stress and it's like it's really crazy to think that over time like we've just stigmatized mental health I I wouldn't say it was like dealt with then but it was dealt with then more than it is right now in Mm. a like a really bizarre odd way Um, but like tying into that point of like we are damaging our community. We are going to bring up children who have so much undealt with trauma. Mm. Even our, our parents deal with it. There are old people in our community that deal with it. They just don't want to call it for what it is yeah. because they don't have that education. Like, okay, cool, we're saying they feel like this, they feel like that, they feel like this. There is a complete and utter lack of education with regards to mental health in terms of what it is and what you can do about it. Yeah, They deal with it we deal with it and the more we don't recognize it the more our community is just going to fall behind yeah and this is this is really creating long-term damages because yeah. then obviously they pass this on to us we pass it on to our friends and our kids yeah. and blah 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 and it will just like cause us to internalize our issues which mm-hmm. a lot of us end up doing um and I think going back on your point as well like in terms of like culture and like the past even, like, nowadays, like, you know, in our, like, cultural music and stuff, like, they talk about things, like, so beautifully, like, mm. when it comes to, like, heartbreak. We've spoken about this before where they'll explain, like, talking about love or a heartbreak or losing someone, you know, in such a poetic way that I'm surprised it's not more openly spoken about. So going back on your point when you're saying where you would go to talk to someone like if you're talking to someone in the environment of a mosque or their home which looks very similar to your home and feels quite homely and open to you you're going to feel more comfortable like that not going to an office where they get you to like lie down on the couch and close your eyes and talk about your issues do you know what I mean like you we need something that has that level of relatability for us so even if that's like um you know Muslim men and women having separate you know, something just for Muslim women, just for something for brown women from different cultural backgrounds, like Indian backgrounds, whatever, like, you know, whatever it is, but just having that being comfortable. Mm. Uh, I've always yeah. kind of, I've always kind of said, like, my, my household experience is like a direct like example of what like ignoring mental health can do and even causing it so Mm -hmm. like with my dad my dad suffers from very very severe anxiety and he's always been like super supportive of us of us to make sure that we embrace like how we're feeling and I guess like that kind of like experience stemmed from the fact that he got a lot of pressure from his parents to be a certain way, to act a certain way, to be like that good brown boy that can like looks after the household. And like every single part of his life was under scrutiny. 
and it was just really unfair and like over time like he just felt like he couldn't speak to his parents because obviously this wasn't something that people deal with and like that literally just caused him to have a massive mental breakdown mm-hmm. um and that definitely stemmed into a lot of like my childhood as well like, my dad is amazing by the way he is my biggest biggest like inspiration because i've never seen someone just like pick themselves up and like he's given us such a comfortable life despite being yeah. like horribly and he is the nicest yeah. person you will ever meet <laughs> and i swear like if i go to my hex house i'll probably sit and talk to her parents more than her like yeah, honestly the nicest people ever and it's just like over time like he's been an amazing dad but it's just been sad to see his kind of experience and like how much like your parents and your community can like destroy you like that like mm. obviously like I had an amazing childhood, as I mentioned, but it was always hard to deal with a parent that... It's hard to deal with a parent that deals with anxiety. Like, I always used to be that kid that, like, that no one ever saw my dad because he never left his room. Um, I didn't have a dad that would, like, walk me to school or come to my school plays or, like, throw me up in the air, teach me how to ride a bike because <laughs> he just couldn't. Like, he couldn't yeah. leave the house. And that's my point. Like, tying into all of this is that the more we just leave this stuff unkept, the more we, like, repeat my dad's scenario, the more we, like, ignore it and it's hard and you don't want you just don't want that for your community at yeah all. and I think a lot of um different anxiety and different like levels of sadness that can come is from when parents are working so hard because like you said they've got that pressure of, to be that mm. good brown boy blah 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 because yeah. they're supporting so many people that they like even my dad like supporting so many of us like we have a great life like we've grown up so blessed and whatever but you know, you can have that. That pressure can also you don't lead have time to, to deal with. Yeah, it well. you don't have time to deal with it, and I think that's what can drive a lot of people to those depths of sadness because they don't yeah. they don't realize. And when you know, you know, the dust settles, then they'll be like, "Oh, whoa! Like I'm really feeling this." Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I think one one thing I can talk about when we're talking about you know finding things that are more relatable or whatever like I can suggest that people can look at this organization called time to change which Mm. is a growing social movement and they're you know they're going to like a lot of like ethnically like ethnic minority areas and sort of just you know taking surveys and just talking to local people and just sort of raising awareness of it and I think that's Mm. also very important um they found, you know, they said things like statistically one in four of us will experience a mental health problem in any given year, you know, and that's within like Asians ourselves. Um, and this one lady called Mira did this like report, whatever, in Harrow and like in which is a really populated Asian community um, and like found that things like fear and secrecy were surrounded around mental health, you know, they felt like causes of mental health problems are always misunderstood or misinterpreted, mm. which is very understandable. Um, and that, you know, like we said, there's social pressures to conform. And, you know, she also found out that people with mental health problems are not valued, like they're seen as less of an asset or less of a person or, you know, they're not going to be able to provide or blah, blah, blah. And also things, the fact that marriage prospects can be damaged yeah which is crazy yeah you touched on this and I think it's really important to recognize that South Asian women get a lot like South Asian women really I think like both genders within our communities deal with very different things that cause like their mental health like as we spoke about with boys like this concept that like okay on a wider scale masculinity and the concept of masculinity is breaking down i.e the man has to be like the breadwinner and like the strong one and the controlling one but that hasn't broken down in the brown community not at all like we know so many of our friends like Mm. even between us when they're like like guys are being like no I'm gonna be the breadwinner like I'm bringing home the money blah 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 and I don't have that mentality and I think like even in my house like I haven't grown up with any like brothers like being all sisters so we've all been very independent and you know our dads raised us like you know you're gonna you're like we've all been raised very well to the point where we're like yeah we earn our own money we're gonna do this we're gonna do that same so I don't have that mentality like so when I see it with like other Asian boys or whatever any of my friends they all they're told exactly and I'm like that's very damaging because I'm like I don't think that like that like I'd like to think everything would be split I think it's a very equal Mm -hmm. thing to bring into the household because I've been raised like that and I've been raised you know, I've been working since I was 16. Like, that's my stance on things, you know? 
And that like the way in which like, let's say for example, you don't fit into that mold as a man that can make you like, make you seem like you're not like adequate for marriage in any shape or form. And like, let's not even begin. Well, let's begin. Like, let's talk <laughs> let's, about it. Let's start these let's conversations. Talk about it. Let's talk about girls as well. Girls, South Asian women, the Mental Health Foundation reported that South Asian women seem to be one of the biggest at risk groups, which is not even remotely surprising at all because mm. we go through a lot yeah our, our men go through a lot and that there's no denying that our like our community as a whole goes through a lot but us women go through so much like like don't wear this don't oh, do that my God, don't yeah. speak that don't loud don't wear like, like this oh. don't wear clothes like this don't dye your hair like this yeah. like don't have this many piercings mm. like if you see my ears got loads of piercings but you know <laughs> i've been very like rebellious and my parents have always been very understanding of that. So I've been, I've had a bit of a different experience, you know. Like, yeah. of course, when I was a teenager, I rebelled a lot. Like, who didn't? Like, yeah. in terms of, like, going out or, you know, you get the whole expression of, you know, what good girl is out at this time, mm-hmm. you know. Anyone can be out at this time. It doesn't matter if it's a girl or a boy, Yeah. you know. But I think it's about breaking those barriers because I've, I've definitely done that. I've broken a lot of barriers how. and stereotypes by, Yeah. I think for me because I keep doing it I'll just keep doing things so then it will become normality but some people don't have that luxury no I, and I understand that yeah it. yeah it's they not as easy their parents would disown them like what do you do in that circumstance how do you tell someone oh like you literally just oh it's really it's genuinely really hard like people don't know how to cope don't know what to do and it's all it all stems back to this concept of just a complete and utter lack of education mm. and as I said, like, it's not necessarily just about, like, our communities and, like, them causing anxiety and depression. It's just, like, where do you go? Like, there's this feeling of hopelessness and, like, lack of direction and just feeling like your own family unit, your own community. Like, South Asians deal with a lot of mental health. Like, you mentioned the stats said one in four. And you have to bear in mind, like, we deal with so much more than, like, let's say an average non-person of colour. And what I mean by that is, obviously, it's, like, relative to everybody's personal experience. Mm-hmm. But our communities... We, we we went through racism. Do you think racism doesn't cause And it still problems? exists. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. we live in London and we live in a multicultural society, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like, if you go to some areas which do not have a lot of ethnic minorities or whatever, there's loads of people. Like, how many videos have we seen online where, like, a Muslim lady's, like, scarf was, like, snatched off or a guy leaving the mosque was being robbed or just got knocked yeah. over onto the floor? Like, these still exist. Like, even in this day and age, they do exist. Yeah. And we can be a bit shut off from that because of the environment we grew up in, but they still exist. You know, we have issues beyond, like, you know, marriage and what all people think, blah, blah, blah. There's racism, like, things that we cannot control. Social and economic inequalities as well, like bearing in mind that unemployment is so high and black in the black and brown community and that stems from like institutional racism as well. And these are all things that contribute to mental health problems. Like this is definitely something that is replicated in the brown community with regards to like racism being a really big cause of mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's just like another big thing is like we also need to take into consideration that finding help can be like hindered by let's say like the argument is is that social like medical practitioners overlook the issues of south asian people as well like they just see them as not they just they just see them as like insignificant so what do you do in that circumstances when even the state is not there is not there to help you yeah and i think that's where we can sort of start to increase that relatability and sort of increase the opinions that you know there are other people out here and we've also experienced some form of this so I think it's just about increasing the starting of these conversations and sort of inspiring or getting people to like open up posts and, you know, mosques, gurdwaras, temples, like you said, and sort of opening up that conversation for people and making it more of a norm as but opposed to a taboo you... thing. But the argument is, is how do you actually... How do you, obviously the main point is that we want to normalise mental health in the brown community, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like the main initiative of this thing. And like to discuss, like just to discuss the topic completely open-ended, right? Yeah. But the problem is how do you educate a community that does not want to speak about it? Like how? That's the, how do we normalise it? And from my perspective, like 
the way I've sort of like worked around normalizing it with friends is making sure people talk, talk about it. I've been really vocal about my experience and I don't care if anyone wants to call me an attention seeker because that's something that I have been called. And I don't care because everything I speak about is important. Like I'm not gonna silence myself when what I could, when I, what, what I am saying could help somebody else. And yeah. like, it's just so important to just, I think like we need, as as we both previously said, like we need to start seeing these initiatives taken in mosques. There should be lectures dedicated just to speaking about mental health within the brown community, touching on small topics within the brown community. Mm. We don't have enough of these we don't have enough initiatives that are helping us deal with it. Yeah, and like, even like like we said like earlier, like when it came to even researching this stuff, like it was so difficult to find accurate things or things written from our perspective. It yeah. was like an outsider going in, sort of thinking they knew everything that was happening. Um, Some of the worst stuff, like I think, like just to like mention this because that's so relevant to your point right so a lot of the things is that there is a lack of research like not enough time and effort is being put into researching mental health within the brown community whether that's from like brown academics i don't know like it's not their fault it's like a whole it's a whole issue within like academia as a whole but it deserves that time it deserves that research so for example the office of national statistics obviously reports issues on like everything around like the uk essentially um and they have some statistics for suicide and their suicide like stats like they differentiate so basically what they do is like they divide suicide and categorize it into like age and like gender but they don't take into consideration ethnicity Mm -hmm. and i think that's really upsetting because we should be looking at these numbers in more detail and understanding why we can't generalize what causes mental health and we need to look into like different communities and why they're not getting the help that they need because suicide yeah. is a like suicide is not a small issue it's a huge issue and i think it's really uh, irresponsible that they're not reporting on things like that because yeah. it just because feels it's like... a result of these mental health issues like regardless yeah. of what causes them like you said it's it's what happens at the end of it and you know i think raising these issues will help not have such a ca- like catastrophic event at the end of it mm. like take place like no one should take that as because they can't feel or they can't feel that they can't talk to anyone like that's such a horrible feeling like yeah. I can't even imagine what would go through someone's head in those final moments where like that's the thing you're considering because you feel like you cannot talk to someone yeah and that's the problem though because people in the brown community don't feel like they can talk to anybody and I don't think that just applies to us like I don't think it's just our parents saying like oh don't talk about it because they don't want to talk about it that's all they know that's what they've been told we're just relaying a chain Mm -hmm. and it needs to stop yeah we can't obviously a lot of people can't help that carry on it like they'll carry it on without realizing and they'll implement it within their mental like their mental state and whatever how they see things But I think it's, yeah, definitely just raising that and being like, you know what, like, this is where it stops. It's not as easy as doing it, but it's just about normalising it. And that's the point that we mentioned. So, like, initiatives to sort of help maybe, like, opening up a discussion with parents in a way that it's not necessarily, in a way that it might be relatable to them. So Mm -hmm. taking into consideration, like, breaking it down so not being like, like oh you know you have to believe this exists but explaining it slowly like okay mom this is what's been medically proven like have it it's gonna be like a really tiresome conversation and I think it's very hard to do it on your own Mm. and there needs to be more external sources but whilst there aren't any external sources it's just really like it's worth giving it a shot at least yeah and maybe even considering therapy I think another thing you can say when talking to your parents as well is also making it relatable to them and sort of incorporating their experiences into it because then they can be like, okay, hang on, you know, I'm sure I've been in this mindset and sort of unlocking that part in their brain, like I was saying earlier. So if you sort of open up the conversation, which makes it relatable to them, I'm, you know, there's no reason they shouldn't, you know, understand or be accepting. I know it's obviously a lot more difficult to just say it like that. Like we've all got Asian families. I've been in that position and I just want anyone listening to know that we've been there and everything you're feeling is completely valid of course yeah and no one should belittle those thoughts and we've all experienced some sort of mental health issue we've all been there like you know whether it's been you know things growing up things with our parents things with our friends families anything like we've all experienced some form of it and there's always someone you can talk to and um you know like we said in our episode before like if there's any dilemmas anything you guys want to talk to us about you're more than welcome to give us an email which is brownsplainpodcast at gmail.com 
um, and we're more than happy to listen. Everything will keep anonymous, and we'll just be some ears if we if anyone needs. But I think this is the thing we're trying to do and take it to the next level. Of, you know, supporting everyone and sort of explaining that we've all been through it, and we want to help everyone who feels that there's you know no one they can relate to or no one they can turn to. Yeah, and I guess like rounding off, right? Mm. Good ways that we're like keeping in touch is keep yourself with a nice like group of friends. Like give Sarah, she's a wonderful person, and all my other friends out there (laughs) to give them a shout out. Like because you need it. Like it is. Like I'm so grateful. Um, and I think utilize your support network. And also like um, there's a lot of therapists online on different directories that are doing online therapy sessions for very cheap prices, particularly for students. If you have concession, like there's a lot of concession prices. Yeah. People who are in financial difficulty, and I'm sure like there must be some some beautiful souls out there that are, are doing this for a lot smaller fees given the situation that we are in so I will try and link over some um sort of like websites that you can find a therapist with yeah. and like maybe I, have like a confidential conversation with yeah so, I think yeah. I no no I think I saw something the other day I'm gonna find it I do you know what I saw it on TikTok and it was just like <laughs> um I'm obsessed with it by the way but I saw it and someone was saying like you can just talk to someone like it's like a chat mm-hmm. um and it's literally like 10 pounds an hour and you can talk to someone on it um, mm. just to say about how you're feeling. But there are also like bigger networks um, such as the Black and Asian Therapy Network where they have like trained psychotherapists and psychologists and whatever to from these different heritages. So reach out to these organisations because they want to help people. Like we're all, you know, stuck at home and it is having an impact on us in some way or another. Yeah. And we can't like reinforce that enough. But yeah, we will be leaving a lot of these uh, these links um, for you guys to sort of take into consideration. And as always, please take care of your mental health because if you don't have your mental health, you don't have, like, you're honestly, like, it, it trickles into the rest of your life and mm-hmm. it is hard and we've been there and there's a lot of, like, you can do it. 100%, yeah, of like, course. And this I never isn't, thought I could do it. And I yeah, can. this isn't the first or the last time we'll be talking about it. You know, I'm sure there's going to be more topics that we will talk about that is, is some sort of mental health. And we will, you know, try have other people to give us our perspective. We will be interacting with a lot more of you guys just to see, like, your point of view, your, your experiences. We'll be interacting on our Instagram, things like that um but also on a lighter note we'll also be having much lighter topics so we yeah. you know we hope to have Get, a lot got really like emotional really, really but very, very, yeah it's like, important to have this conversation no of course and I think that's what we're gonna try to do with this <laughs> p- platform of ours is just build on these light-hearted topics but also on topics that isn't spoken about to round off I think we'd like to say that yes this is a difficult conversation but we're trying to normalise these conversations, which was the point of it. But we'll also be having more light-hearted conversations and light-hearted topics. So stay tuned for those. 100%. So it's really nice having you guys on here, as usual. It's been a pleasure. I hope this, guy, this helps you guys. And You know, we're you always on- here if you need to talk. <laughs> catch you guys on the next episode of France Play. See you later. Bye. Bye, guys.